This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Thursday. We're talking about cooling for HIE. Daphne, mm-hmm. how are you? I'm doing great. What a good week we've had. I know. It's a busy week. Um, it's a lot of content. HIE is a, mm-hmm. a whirlwind. A big topic. But we have a guest today mm-hmm. um, and uh, somebody that uh, you know well. That's right. That's right. Can you... Uh, so? Can you tell us who our guest is and, and what made you what made you invite him on the podcast? Um, yes, so I'm so, so honored to have on um, Dr. Michael Weiss, uh, who's an attending neonatologist at the University of Florida, where he has served as the medical director and the director of the transport team, and he serves as the director of the hypothermia program. Dr. Weiss has an interest in neonatal neurology, neonatal brain injury and protection, and regenerative medicine, and he currently performs both basic science and clinical research on these topics. In addition, Dr. Weiss established the Florida Neonatal Neurologic Network, or FN3, in 2011, and FN3 continues to serve as a collaboration between uh, Level 3 and Level 4 neonatal ICUs throughout the state of Florida. Dr. Weiss has numerous publications and book chapters on the topics of neonatal brain injuries and has received several honors and awards during his career. And my fellowship mentor. So we've been trying to have Dr. Weiss on on the podcast um, for some time, but given his expertise um, in neonatal brain injury, we thought this was the right episode to bring him on. Yeah, and I think it's going to be nice to have um, somebody of his caliber on the podcast Mm -hmm. because... If people, if you start looking up cooling, there mm-hmm. is so much, uh, not animosity, but there's so much argumentation yeah. online about, well, this was not really powered the right way. Mm-hmm. They were looking at outcomes at 18 months. These guys were have, uh, what did I read? I read like, oh, in the control group, the babies were actually too hot. And that's why mm-hmm. the cooling group did so well. Mm-hmm. There's so much things that when you're reading it, and if if you cannot parse through all this evidence, you're like, I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore. So it, it's nice to have somebody like uh, Dr. Weiss, who has so much experience, who we can ask some some questions to and uh, get his thoughts on where we've been, where we are, and really where we're going when it comes to this uh, therapy. Well, Dr. Weiss, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on with us today. No, it's an honor to be here today, Daphne, to speak with you and and your uh, listening audience. <laughs> well, you know, we were talking earlier this week um, about how some controversy still exists in the literature about therapeutic hypothermia. So how do you think clinicians should interpret data and new studies that are coming out in light of these controversies? Yeah, and it's a great question. And I, I think that there's been a lot of controversy since the HELIX study. And, and so... Uh, you know, it's important to note that the HELIX study was done in, in uh, developing countries, and this was analyzed heavily in a, a very nice webinar by the Newborn Brain Society, where they had uh, folks like Sita Shankaran and um, Peter Gluckman and some of the, the folks that are the actual 
experts in therapeutic hypothermia, both from a basic science and a clinical standpoint, really debate this. And they did a very nice job analyzing um, the Helix study and, and a lot of the other studies that have been done in developed countries and, and the differences. And, and it's important to note that the in the Helix trial, uh, there was a, a very high percentage of the patients had chorioamnitis, which we know can be a pro-inflammatory factor and and potentially worsen outcomes in neonates with, with uh, hypoxic ischemic injury. And so I, I think that there were a lot of variables in that, that study um, that were different than some of the other studies, and they pointed those out. So I think if you look at the majority of the meta-analysis uh, for hypothermia, it, it is still a, a very good uh, therapy for neonates with with um, neonatal encephalopathy, most likely due to hypoxic ischemic injury. Um, and I, I think that it is going to continue to be the core of, of what we do. Um, now, some of the controversy that, that you speak about also relates to temperature. And I, I think mm-hmm. that any trial moving forward, for example, in neonates with mild HIE, mm-hmm. there's a study being planned um, by Dr. Shankaran on, on cooling kids with mild mm-hmm. HIE. And I, I think that that study is going to include a targeted temperature management group. In other words, a group that the temperature is really monitored closely in the control group. And that, that's exactly what they did in the HELIX trial as, as, as well. Thank you. That is um, tremendously helpful. Um, and I think kind of helps us put you know, things in place that we talked about earlier in in the week. Um, Each week, we also like to talk about some of the emerging therapies or clinical trials that are underway um, for different uh, pathologies that we're talking about. And so this week, it's it's HIE. Um, Maybe you can speak a little bit uh, to to what we can expect in the in the coming years. Yeah, I think that we're going to get the results of the urethropoietin study, which the initial preliminary results were released at the recent uh, Pediatric Academic Society meeting. So that publication is going to come out soon, uh, giving us the full results. Um, but at least from the initial presentations, and I, I wasn't at PAS, uh, it looks like there wasn't a synergistic effect with hypothermia, and it, it was not neuroprotective compared to mm-hmm. hypothermia alone. Um, I think in the coming years, we'll hear more about xenon. Um, the original xenon trial, um, one of the, the criticisms was xenon was administered a little bit later um, because it was supposed to be a real-world trial, um, and so there's efforts to start xenon earlier, and there's an ongoing trial to look at xenon started um, within, I, I believe it's around six hours of, mm. of, of birth, um, so much earlier than, than the trial that was done. And again, that trial is ongoing. Um, I think we're currently wor- working on melatonin, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of interest in melatonin as an adjunct therapy. And then I, I think that the big area that's gonna, going to potentially explode in the next few years is the area of, of, of stem cells. There's mm-hmm. a lot of interest in mesenchymal stem cells. Um, there's some fascinating new data that, that shows that, that these stem cells um, not only um, potentially secrete uh, neurotrophic factors that help uh, the, tish, the surrounding tissue survive, 
Um, but they also potentially build bridges with, with some of the uh, native or endogenous uh, cells. And actually, there could be transfer of the mitochondria to those mm. cells, which Super cool. uh, they, they've, they've shown <laughs> that in, in at least a dish. And, and so it, it's some really exciting things that I think are going to be coming down the pipeline in, in the next couple of years. Well, it does sound like there um, are hopefully uh, some things that that may um, benefit our babies in the future and that there's like a lot of different groups doing a lot of work um, in this area. Um, We have a lot of um, listeners who are trainees and early uh, career neos. um, And I wonder, are there places that people who are interested in HIE can start to focus their interests? Um, Obviously, there's all of this new developing um, work, but is there maybe a place that hasn't been, you know, well-researched yet or hasn't been explored yet? Yeah, I I think there's so many areas that we we don't understand uh, about uh, neonates with hypoxic ischemic injury. And, and one of the things that really has always fascinated me is, um, you know, as a clinician at the bedside is we can have two babies with a pH mm-hmm. of 6.8 and they both had a history of a placental abruption. Um, the stories are almost identical and you see the patients two years in, in clinic and, and one child's normal um, and, and has normal Bailey scores and the other child's uh, severely devastated. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between those two kids? And so I, I think really if we're moving forward with the field, it's individualization of care mm-hmm. and really understanding how the child um, reacts to the hypoxic ischemic injury and then tailoring the therapy um, that we use uh, based on the potential pathophysiologic cascade or how they react to that injury. And so I think that that's really where the field's going to mm-hmm. going to move in the future. Um, you know, as some of these adjunct therapies come on board is really distinguishing these kids. So maybe we're going to use um, some genetic markers, um, a series of biomarkers, um, things like uh, neuroproteins, exosomes, mm-hmm. to really uh, stratify these kids in, into different groups to really understand the individual pathophysiology and then address it instead of this concept of one size fits all mm-hmm. and we're going to treat all these kids the same. Um I would encourage your listeners, um, the Newborn Brain Society has an excellent um, series on on mentorship. Um, I don't mean to advertise another podcast mm-hmm. on nope, your show, please. but, but, We're but here there's to a podcast. People. This is awesome. Thanks. There's a, there's a podcast series uh, through the Newborn Brain Society that has folks like Terry Ender, mm-hmm. Linda DeVries, and, and they talk about um, how to get involved in the field and, and what they they look for and and new folks that that are coming into the field and how to get involved in in research projects the newborn brain society also has um a they're developing a mentorship program um for mm-hmm. individuals that would like to get involved in um research in neonatal uh brain um and that can be development injury any topic they try to connect experts in the field with, with uh, junior uh, faculty members or fellows that, that are interested in, in getting involved in 
growing um, in, in, in this area. Yeah, and if I recall, they're, they're even starting to offer some grants through the society as well. That's, that's correct. They have a grant that's specifically designed for uh, junior faculty uh, um, individuals. It's, it's really to help start their career and, and um, it's seed money um, mm-hmm. so they can get preliminary data and hopefully build that into a larger grant. And um, for people who aren't ready to go all in, but really just want to learn, um, the Newborn Brain Society has a lecture every week on Thursdays, um, and it's noon Eastern time. Is that right? That, I think that's right. That's correct. Yeah. And and for trainees, uh, membership is, is free. And so you just sign up and, and you can get uh, CMEs or CEUs for those lectures. Um, you alluded to something just a few minutes ago, which I think is why um, certain clinicians really don't like HIE. Uh, it's uh, managing uh, babies with HIE. There's so much uncertainty, um, especially when we talk about counseling families. So um, you and I have worked together. Um, and one thing... one of Just the, for a few just years. Just for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> um, what... Basically, every time I had to put a baby on ECMO, I had to call you in, I think, if I recall. That's that's true. Um, But um, one one of the many things that I have watched you do very well is is how you work with families. And so I wonder if you have any guidance for clinicians for their own internal uh, struggles dealing with uncertainty and also how do we convey that type of information to families? I didn't prepare you for these questions, but no, that, that that's okay, and 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 I, I, I that's a huge compliment coming from you, mm-hmm. Daphna, because I, I think you're one of the best folks I've ever seen talking to families at the bedside. So, um, yeah, I, I think that one of the tough things, and there's actually active research, uh, Monica Lemon mm-hmm. at Duke does research on how to talk to families. And so this is a big area. Um, it, it's very tough for clinicians. So she has a, some very nice ways to do that. But my approach is, is just to be very um, honest with the families and and let them know what I see on the MRI, what our outcomes have been. Um, And and I tell every family that this is a marathon and not a sprint. It's Mm. it's something that plays out over a long period of time. I give them the information, but I also let them know that I don't have a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. So the future's not set in stone. And, And so um, that's a good thing and a bad thing mm-hmm. um, because the families want to know what the kids are going to be like at, you know, five or six years of age. Um, but it's also a very hopeful thing that that you can't tell them definitively your child's going to have severe deficits. And, and so I, I think that there's a balance between giving the family information and not taking all their hope, mm-hmm. but being realistic with them. Um, because the neonatal brain has such a huge capacity for plasticity. And from following these kids for years, um, one of the most joyful things is when parents come in the clinic and said, Dr. Weiss, you said that, you know, my child was going to have X, Y, Z and look how well he's doing. And I, you know, that that's rewarding. And, um, I share in their joy when, when that happens, but, 
I think very early on, it's, it's just being uh, realistic, but, but not taking all their hope away and, and explaining that, you know, it's so hard to predict outcomes because of plasticity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really useful. I hope that people will, will take note and that that's something I think they can take to the bedside even tonight if they're on call. Um, I think we've covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Um, we're so grateful for you being on with us today. Thank you so much. No, definitely. It's my, my honor and, and pleasure to be here. And I really appreciate the invitation. And I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Okay. Thanks so much, Dr. Weiss. All right. That was awesome. Thank you, Daphne, for in- inviting uh, Dr. Weiss. This was actually really helpful. Yeah, my sincere pleasure. <laughs> All right, guys. So we'll see you tomorrow, uh, Friday, for questions. This is going to be uh, mm-hmm. yeah, back to our old stumping ground. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.